Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I'm your host, Jessica, from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers. And this is the show that helps you plant and grow your own garden using simple and sustainable methods. Today is the day, my friends, to talk about what to do in your December garden, because holy moly, we are in the last month of the year. It's December. It's probably cold where you live. It's definitely quiet in the garden. Well, almost definitely quiet in the garden. But regardless, we still have a few things to chat about. So let's jump straight into episode 34, what to do in your December garden. All right, to start off the show, I actually forgot to mention two things in last week's episode where I talked about thrifty gardening, how to grow on a budget, and that was episode 33. And two of the things that I forgot to mention were for sourcing free and or very cheap gardening supplies. So I want to just throw those in there really quick. And that is one other source for seeds that I left off my list was actually at the library, at the public library, depending on where you live, your branch might have a seed library or a seed exchange where you can go and just get packets of free seeds that they either, I would imagine, get donated from companies or that people bring in from their own gardens having saved them and they want to share. I don't think my local library right now has one, but for example, in California where we just lived, our one of our local libraries had a little organizer drawer system where you could go and just snag whatever packets of seeds you wanted. And it was totally free. Um, And I think that's just a great way to take advantage of potentially very local seeds and free, you know, at the very least, even if they are donated from a company that's not local. And then for other plants and seeds, don't forget to check your Facebook marketplace or plant exchange groups. There are several very active garden and plant exchange groups in my area here in Oregon now where people are giving houseplant cuttings or mint cuttings or extra seeds that they've saved or, you know, I bought this this bag of tulips and I've got too many who wants a few for free. So keep your eye out for those as well. And then another, the second thing that I forgot to mention was for compost and don't forget to check your municipal compost uh, center. And again, not every area has them, so you might have to dig around a little bit. But in the last place we lived, you could go and get free municipal compost. And by municipal, I mean the like green waste collection bins that some areas have. That compost material gets taken to a compost center, turned into compost. And so it has everything from kitchen scraps to yard waste to leaves and you know things like that and of course they say please don't put garbage or twine or glass or whatever in there and full disclosure sometimes things do end up in there because it's you know not a perfect system but it's better than nothing usually if you are getting started with either a very tight budget or you just have a large amount you have a big need for a large amount of compost Um, And in any case, you could get it for free if you scooped it yourself, or you could pay $2 and they would fill the back of your truck. And the two bucks went towards, you know, the time and the machinery with their big scoopers to load your vehicle. So dig around for that. See if your area offers that. And it's a great, great way to get started with some compost for not a lot of money. I do recommend doing a quick soil test on that compost. The compost I got in California was good 
in the organic matter that it contained, but it was very low in nitrogen. And so I ended up supplementing it with some bagged compost or not compost um, manure that I bought that's higher in nitrogen to kind of balance everything out. So two little tips, forgot to mention them and did not want to not share those sources with you because hopefully they're going to come in handy for you as you're getting started with your garden on a budget. So back to today's episode. It's December. Chances are it's quiet where you're at unless you live in a warmer zone. And so I do want to address that first because I was actually looking at some of my garden pictures from last December to kind of jog my memory of what's going on in a zone nine or warmer garden. And man, oh man, what a difference between zone nine and zone eight. It's crazy. Like I almost can't believe it. So I looked at exactly one year ago and we were in a t-shirt, me and my son in the pictures I was looking at. And I had nasturtiums blooming. I had snapdragons blooming. My echinacea were still going strong. I had my sweet peas that I had fall planted to overwinter and they bloomed like crazy the following spring. Whereas I look outside right now and the only things that are alive are my kale and some lettuce and the greens that I planted specifically to overwinter here. But my nasturtiums are completely dead. My echinacea, I haven't planted them yet, so I don't have them. But even my like black eyed Susan, which are relatively cold hardy, they are they've seen better days. They're alive. They're not dead, but they're certainly not blooming right now. Um, And just one zone difference. It just blew my mind how much more alive my California garden was at this point in the year compared to my Oregon garden. So I've seen both sides of the coin of what exactly you can be doing in December. So for those of you in that zone nine or above, maybe you're in Florida, maybe you're in Texas. If you have flowers that can overwinter, keep on top of those. You still want to be deadheading you still want to be trimming off any scraggly or, again, seen better days type of branches where it's not really being productive to the plant. Maybe the leaves are a little bit damaged or there aren't as many leaves on there. And so it's not really contributing to the photosynthesis and food production of the plant. Go ahead and snip that off. Don't let the plant waste energy, um, but do what you can to keep it alive over the winter and you will get more flowers next year. So scabiosa, nasturtium, calendula, echinacea, snapdragon. These are all really good flowers to try to overwinter if you're in one of these warmer zones. And even if you're in a cooler zone, ones like the echinacea and maybe the scabiosa, if you started it soon enough, they will overwinter. They won't be blooming the way they might in these warmer zones. But if you have um, if you have those, give them water if it's not already raining where you're at. For example, it's been raining buckets these last few days. And the last thing I need to do is go out there and irrigate. So I'm not going to mess with that at all. But if you are in, again, California, Florida, somewhere where it's not raining a whole lot yet, then just, you know, keep on top of the regular irrigation to keep the soil moist. But they probably don't need that much because it's not super warm unless you're in a very windy area, because surprisingly, wind can dry out soil more than you might think. And so that's something to keep an eye on. If you are subject to winter winds, that might affect how much or how little you need to irrigate, even more so than how much rainfall you do or don't get. 
So as well as deadheading and trimming some of those perennials or overwintering flowers, it's also a great time to divide some of your perennials like black-eyed Susan, yarrow, echinacea, other types of clumping or spreading non-woody perennials. And I'm clarifying non-woody here as I'm not talking about shrubs, specifically something like a hydrangea or more ornamental bushes and shrubs like that. These ones that I'm mentioning, like the year on the echinacea, they have soft stems. And so those are the ones I'm I'm talking about specifically for this. So if you have a plant that you've already been growing for a year or two, or it's just looking a little bit too big for its space, this is a great time to divide it because it's not in an active growing phase. And so you can dig them up, cut the the root clump in half, and then plant those two chunks or more, maybe thirds, fourths, depending on how big it is, and plant those root chunks in new areas. And if you do that, go ahead and toss in a scoop of compost if you've got it or a little bit of fertilizer just to give it a little bit of a boost of food as it's getting reestablished in its new location. So if you want to try sowing seeds you can. And again, I'm just talking about zone nine and above, zone nine, 10, really. Um, You can try. Chances are, honestly, they're not going to do a whole lot because even if you have warmer, you know, and I kind of use air quotes around that warmer weather, like it's not frozen, it's probably not warm enough to really foster germination. And even if it does, the days are still short enough that there's not a whole, there's not as many hours of daylight as a seedling would normally require. And so chances are it's not going to do a whole lot to really grow and give you any advantage of extra growth in this off season. And so you'd be better off waiting until spring when the soil is warming up, the days are getting longer, and you're really setting that seed up for success as opposed to trying to eke out whatever you can right now where it's probably just going to kind of sit there. And if you do sow seeds and they don't germinate, then again, they're just going to wait dormant in the soil until those temperatures hit the right mark and the daylight triggers it to start germinating. So hang on to your seeds, save your money. Don't don't really try sowing anything right now because chances are you're just going to have to replant again in the springtime. So now commiserate with me, my friends. If you are in zone eight or lower, chances are you have seen at least one frost by now, if not more. We have had many frosts. It kind of was surprising how many frosts we've experienced already. Our first one, as I mentioned before, came October 28th. And we have had, we've woken up to frozen ground and frosty grass and frosty cars at least five times since then, which I grew up in Washington state and I don't remember getting that many frosts in the fall, this early in the fall, you know, maybe it's dull with time because that was a while ago, but it just, it's like learning all over again how to grow when I'm in this new of a climate after 10 years of being away. So that's why I say commiserate with me because I am commiserating with you. If this is your usual or you're already buried in snow, then I'm right there with you because other than my overwintering crops, there's really not a whole lot going on except a ton of rain and a ton of frost and some really, really cold, dreary days. Um, So for us, there's not a lot to do outside, really. As always, mulch if you haven't yet, um, especially if you're getting the rains. Don't try to sow anything. Don't try to plant anything because it's really just not the ideal time. 
The only exception here is if your ground isn't frozen. If you're getting frosts, but the ground isn't, you know, frozen solid permanently, you can still plant some bulbs. It's not too late for those. You do need to get them in soon if your ground will eventually freeze, because obviously you can't really dig into frozen ground to plant them. And the roots of the bulbs certainly can't penetrate the ground to grow if everything is frozen solid. So this is kind of your window of opportunity. If it is, if the weather is consistently cold, but not consistently frozen, you can still get your bulbs in if you want to. And of course, you can plant them in pots to grow in your, to, to force indoors so that they bloom inside, or to kind of overwinter in your garage or maybe a basement that doesn't get frozen uh, to let them get that cool temperature exposure that they need in order to grow roots and then start sprouting that you can then bring inside to let them bloom inside. And if you're lucky, you'll get some blooms for Christmas if you found something that has already been potted or you started potting them a while back. I know that it's always nice to have things like amaryllis and paper whites for Christmas because of the red and white color. But even if you miss the Christmas date, it's still really nice to have some blooms in January and February when you might not yet be getting those early ones outside with things like crocus or snowdrops or hyacinths that are some of the first uh, blooming bulbs of the year. So because it's not really a great time to grow right now, on our list for December is all of the planning, scheduling, dreaming, all the things that you kind of, even though the season just ended, you can already start to think about for next season. So some of those things are to sort of learn and plan for next year, such as creating a seed starting schedule, thinking about your plan of what you want to grow. How are you going to lay it all out or, you know, configure your beds? How much of everything do you think you want to grow? Are you going to try to plant early and extend the spring season with row covers or low tunnels? Do you need to build any new garden beds? And if so, what are you going to build them with? And what are you going to fill them with? Because those sometimes take a minute to accumulate all of the materials that you need for them, whether that's the lumber or the corrugated metal or the compost or the landscape fabric to go, not landscape, hard, um, hardware fabric, that's what it's called, that goes on the bottom to keep digging rodents out like gophers and voles and all the other, I'm trying to think of who else does, moles, I suppose, um, that can come up and damage your crops. Do you have any seeds that you need to buy? Do you have an inventory of what you already have? Do you need seed starting supplies that you need to put on your list? All of these are things that you can start thinking about to get ready for next year. And even if you don't take action on any of these yet, there's still good things to think about to kind of keep in your back pocket or I guess more appropriately in the back of your mind so that when you do have those little pockets of time where you are missing the garden, dreaming of next year, you have a few ideas of what to actually think about and start planning. So for example, one of the one of my big big goals for next year because we're on a new property, we started from scratch in this past June just several months ago. And even though I did get in my fall garden, I certainly didn't get in the best fall garden I could have simply because we just didn't have a whole lot of time. You know how it is when you move somewhere new, you get caught up in 
the painting and the cleaning and the unpacking and the this and that and the other. And so my time was very divided between getting the brand new garden going and getting the house set up. And so next year we have way more time and attention to dedicate to the garden. And so my big goal is to grow for absolutely as much of the year as possible, starting in February with row covers and our hoop house, getting new greens and lettuces and whatnot out all the way until hopefully we have a an amazing and full new fall garden next year. So like one year from now with enough crops that will last us all through the winter to where we essentially won't have to buy any other veggie crops because we can just grab them from our covered garden area and what will survive outside. And to have a garden that productive for that long takes a heck of a lot of planning and a heck of a lot of planting. And so that's one thing that I'm constantly thinking about and putting those moving pieces into place of, you know, in January, I need to start these seeds. In February, I need to start these seeds. And in this month, this needs to come out so this can go in. All of those pieces require a lot of thought to get them all to work out. So I'm starting thinking about it now because if I wait until January, February, March, no, it won't be too late. I can certainly still plant for a ton of the year, but it might be easier and slightly more streamlined if I have a plan a little bit sooner than next year. Hopefully that all makes sense. But basically just think of some of your big goals for next year and how are you going to achieve them. If you are one of my people starting from scratch, this is going to be your first year next year. What kind of garden space do you want? Are you going to grow in a raised bed? Do you need to start collecting pots and planters because you want to do a container garden because you're renting or you want something lower maintenance just to start out or are you growing in the directly in the ground and you need to start thinking of how am I going to get rid of the grass that's out there or maybe there isn't any grass and you need to source a bunch of mulch because it's already bare and exposed dirt. These are just things that again even if you don't take action on them right now just starting to think about it will make you that much more prepared once next year really does roll around. For seeds and, and everything, I mentioned this in last week's episode, this is a great time to buy seeds, even if you already have a stash of last year's seeds and the years before that seeds, because if you've been in gardening for more than one year, chances are you have a bunch of seeds sitting around that are leftovers, kind of like people who sew always have their fabric stash that they swear they're going to use it before they buy anymore. And then when you know it, you end up finding some other cute fabric that you really like and you add that to your stash. Same goes with the seed packets. But this is a great time to buy because 2023 seeds are on sale and the seed suppliers are promoting and pushing those seeds by having sales to get them out the door so that they can make room for their 2024 seeds. I just got some seeds from the Gardener's Workshop, a very awesome flower farmer and her company at, I think it was 70% off. It was some crazy screaming deal. And I didn't necessarily need more seeds, but it's such a good deal. And those seeds are still viable for so many more years that I couldn't pass it up. So Go out there and look for seeds if you need to start thinking and building your stash for next year because this is a great time to buy, whether you're on a budget or not. If you can save money, why not save money? And so in any case, 
there is not a lot to do outside, chances are, unless you're in one of those warmer zones. But there's plenty of stuff to do inside to start thinking about next year and speculating on what you are dreaming of, what your goals are for, what your goals are for next year, excuse me, and what kind of a plan do you want to have in place to make that go down as smoothly as possible. And then the last thing I'll leave you with is aside from the practicality of getting your garden going, this is also just a fun time to start learning about things that you know, may have sparked your interest last season that you just didn't have time to get to, or that you may have just recently learned about. One of the things that I am learning about a lot lately is Jadam, spelled J-A-D-A-M. And this is a natural, low-cost Korean agriculture system that relies on making your own fertilizer and building your soil health on site as much as possible. It uses lots of cover crops and grass mulch and certain bacterias to build fertility, beat pests, prevent disease. It's a whole new world to me. I've I've heard of it in years past, but I never really looked into it. But it is really starting to interest me now because I think of what I can do to build what I call a closed loop system on my property where I can use all of these inputs that are already here. We're on two acres, so we have plenty of grass. We have chickens, so we have manure right there. We have the green waste from the garden itself. And of course, I can just make regular compost with that. But in Jadam, they there are like certain mixes and concoctions that you can make using those inputs you already have on your property for specific scenarios, like trying to, like I mentioned, prevent a certain disease or get rid of a certain pest. And I would normally give you a lot more information on that, but I am still very much just scratching the surface on this whole system. So I'm, I don't yet know enough to reliably report anything to you or, you know, give you any uh, experience that I've had because I haven't implicate or, um, implemented. That's the word I'm thinking of. I haven't implemented the Jadam practices yet. So stay tuned for that. It's kind of like the worm composting. My worms are alive. They're very cold, um, but they are doing their thing. And as I learn more about worm composting and or vermicomposting, if you want to use the real word, um, I will share all that with you. But I am too new on the journey to really act as any sort of expert on it because as I always say, gardening is a learning experience. And even for somebody who's been gardening for a very long time, I still have plenty of things to learn and that I'm a total beginner at. So start thinking about some of those things. If you've got some extra time on your hand, uh, those practices, those growing methods, certain plants, maybe perennial vegetables, things that aren't as hands-on, we'll say, as you know, drawing out your layout or buying seeds, but that can still benefit your overall gardening journey and education and potentially come into play this season, the season after that, the season after that, who knows when, but it won't ever go to waste because it's still always fun to learn something new and you might cherry pick little pieces that you can implement as you see fit. That's all for today, my friends. We are wrapping up the year. It never fails to amaze me that 2023 is just about done. I'm sure you're hearing this from everybody. You may even be saying it yourself, um, but it doesn't make it any less true that the year is almost over. And that's crazy. So if you love the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and the reviews and throw in a rating and a review. I would so much appreciate it. It helps me know I'm on the right track with the information that I'm giving. 
helps me know if there are certain areas that you guys are interested in. And it helps other people who haven't listened to the show yet take a chance on it because they see that other people are totally digging it. And that means that we can help other new gardeners get started without the overwhelm or the confusion or the where the heck do I start feeling that is very common among new gardeners. That's all for today. I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.